Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. If you've been tracking with us in this series, we're talking about here and there. We've been referencing Acts 1-8 a bunch. Uh, This is Acts 1-8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. We're kind of calling that Lee Summit. That'd be here. And in Judea and Samaria, we're kind of calling that Crossroads. That'd be there. And to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. And so, man, we're, we're getting fed on God's word every morning. And then the afternoons, we would step out on the street with a local believer, right? Someone that wasn't, was from the country, that spoke the language, that knew Christ. And we'd just be slinging the gospel, y'all. Like we were just coming at them. <laughs> and they were so excited to meet someone from America. Inevitably, they're like, what are you doing here? And so we had so many opportunities to have spiritual conversations. And man, we're, we're on a mission, literally. And so we're trying to, to share the gospel. And man... It was crazy. We would get to share the gospel with folks that we would meet. Almost all of them had the same reaction. It blew me away. They said something to the effect of this. They'd say, this is our first time to ever hear this story. If this is true, that's amazing. Um, And many of them gave their life to Christ after hearing the gospel for the first time ever. And man, it just blew me away. I, I grew up, I'm from Texas originally. Any Texans out there? Okay, all four of us, let's go. Anyway, God's country. But yeah, I grew up in Texas. My dad's a pastor. And so I literally grew up in the church. Like I used to say this, like half the congregation had changed my diaper at one point. Like I grew up in the church, you know what I'm saying? Real, real close, <laughs> TMI. Anyway, what I'm saying is, man, I grew up hearing, the, I can't remember a time where I didn't know the gospel, if I'm being serious. Now, there was a time where I hadn't received it, but I always kind of had that head knowledge. And so for someone to tell me, I've never heard that in my life, it kind of blew me away. And what also blew me away is for someone to say, I've never heard that, but I want that. What do I need to do to to receive Jesus? (laughs) So several people right there gave their life to Christ. Man, the reason I'm telling you this story And the reason I'm a missionary in resident is because, man, I feel like God is calling me to the nations. I feel like he's calling me to places like India, to countries like India. And, and here, here's what I mean, man. When I look at that story, oh, sorry, when I look at uh, that trip and I think about that trip, man, I can't help but think about this verse. And many of you guys may know this verse. It's Luke 10, 2. It says this, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. I don't know that I've ever seen a more clear picture of what Luke 10.2 was talking about. Again, I've known that verse my whole life. Maybe you grew up in church like me and you're like, that was one of your, you had to memorize that verse before you could you know, get the sticker or whatever the thing was, right? Um, I've known that my whole life, but I don't know that I've ever been to a place where I, I really saw that reality play out. You know what I'm saying? But man, that was the situation on this trip. It was crazy. It was, uh, the harvest was plentiful. There were so many people, just to kind of put it in perspective, 
India, just the country of India, is four times the population of the United States, but it's half the, ge- the geography area, like geographic area. So we're talking, people, you're, you're rubbing shoulders with everybody. <laughs> it's, it's crowded, you know what I'm saying? So there's so much lostness there, though, so much lostness. The harvest really is plentiful, but the reality is there's not enough people there to share the gospel. It's not even like a one to 50. Like it's, it is super out of proportion. And so I really, really felt like, oh my gosh, this is what Luke 10, 2 is talking about right here. This is, the harvest is plentiful. There's people everywhere that if they heard the gospel for the first time, they, they would abandon everything they know to go all in with the kingdom of heaven. But it's not that they've never had the, or it's not that they've heard it and rejected it. They've never had the opportunity. We need more people to share. And I kind of think of it like this. So we're talking about a harvest um, man, if you've ever been to like an apple orchard, like an apple farm, all that stuff, like, man, the, the, the trees produce fruit, right? And when the fruit is ready, what happens? It drops to the ground, right? And then you pick it up, blah, blah, blah. And so this picture here is, man, the heart, we don't need people to just plant seeds. We're just trying to just bring a bucket, man. We, we're just trying to gather fruit to put it in a basket. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to have it all figured out. Do you know the gospel? That's enough. Um, man, such a clear picture of Luke 10 too. And then we got to meet other people on this trip that had received Christ and were fired up. I'm talking about just normal dudes, normal ladies, painters, teachers, carpenters, whatever, that were filled with the Holy Spirit, man. And we, I couldn't keep up with them. I was like, all right, let's go back out. You know, like I'm tired. I'm like, stomach's kind of feeling weird. You're overseas eating weird stuff you shouldn't eat. Anyway, but like, man, these guys are on fire. And, and one of the missionaries told me, he pointed out a couple, a couple guys there, Jebba and Nirma were their names, and they had just received Christ. Uh, but he said, man, I live about seven hours away from these guys, and I, I have my own Jebba and Nirmals where I live that I'm trying to invest in, I'm trying to disciple, I'm trying to mentor. And so the reality is this, I, I pray for them, and that's about the only discipleship that I can give them right now. It just broke my heart, man. Like, because it's just like, there's, the harvest is really plentiful and the workers really are few. Like it was the most clear picture I've ever seen in my life. And uh, man, I, I really felt like, as we're looking at that verse, Acts 1-8, I'm like, man, I know people like my dad, man, that's called to hear. He's been faithful to be a pastor at a church for 33 years the only thing I've done for 33 years is be alive. <laughs> I've never committed to anything that long, you know? And I know people that are called there. I think of uh, Chad. I think of other people that are going to the crossroads. Man, that's, that makes so much sense. That's so good. There are lost people in both. We need people in both. But, man, I would just overcome with this thought, this realization of like, man, well, what about the ends of the earth? What about the ends of the earth? And then... I'm sure all of y'all have had this experience. You know, I was indoors and then the rooftop came off of the building I was in and then just the heavens parted and like this giant dove, it was almost like a goose, like a goose dove came down and sat on my Bible and spoke to me and said, you, I'm just kidding, that didn't didn't happen. Some of y'all are like, oh my gosh, let me record this. Yeah, no, that didn't happen, right? It wasn't this amazing, like undeniable, like spiritual experience man, I'd put myself in a position to see what God was doing. I'm going to say, here's my life, Lord. Send me anywhere. I'll go anywhere, whatever you want to do. And then it was this burden. 
it was this burden in my heart to see the harvest is plentiful, but the workers were few. The workers were few. And so I had to choose it, is what I'm trying to, to tell you. It was a choice. You have, you have free will. And so there's lots of things God's going to put in front of you. And one of, the, one of the cool things about this series that I love, I feel like Chad has been super faithful about this, is he almost every week he's kind of like, it doesn't really matter where you go. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of like, you can do this, you can do that. The point is to be a witness here, there, or the ends of the earth, Right? That's the, whole, that's the whole idea of this message. So, man, we're in the series, Here, There. You saw the promo video. The video says Here, There so many times. I kind of, I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> I love it. Um, and so if you're taking notes, man, I've entitled this message, How to Be a Witness to the Ends of the Earth. To the Ends of the Earth. At the end of this summer, I will move my life to South Asia. I'm buying a one-way ticket. I'm saying goodbye to all the people that I love, that I know. I'm risking it all to be a witness at the ends of the earth, right? The unknown, at least for me. Um, and so, man, I don't know where God's called you. Like, I can't, I can't pretend to say like, well, Becky, I know you're going here. John, I know you're going here. I don't know. Only you and the Lord know that. And I'm trying to show you that it's probably not as uh, mystical and spiritual as you may think. Um, but here's what I do know. No matter where God calls you, if it's here, if it's there, if it's the ends of the earth, it's going to cost you something. Man, you were bought with a price. Your life is not your own. And that's the beauty of it. Man, I love adventure. But the greatest adventure of my life is getting to partner with the king and build the kingdom. That's the greatest adventure of all. And so wherever you go, if you're called here, if you're called there, or if God calls you to the ends of the earth, I want to give you three things that God has called us to risk. If you'll risk these things, I can promise you that you're going to be moving where God's moving. Amen? It doesn't matter where you are. And if you'll do these things, you will expect great things from God. And you'll attempt great things for God if you'll do these things. So um, to get us started, though, before we really jump into these points, I want you to open up your Bibles uh, to Revelation 7, 9, 7, 9. Uh, that should be on our screen, but I think it'll help you if you, you follow along. As you're going there in, your, in the Word, let me just kind of paint the picture for you, the scene, the backdrop here. So have you ever watched a movie with one of your buddies that you'd already seen before and they've never seen? And so like halfway through, like the main character gets like his leg broken or the girlfriend breaks out with him, just something catastrophic, you know? <laughs> and it just looks like, oh my gosh, the Avengers are going to, they're done. You know, whatever the thing is, right? Like in game. Uh, but you know the end of the movie, right? And so your boy's freaking out. But meanwhile, you're like, oh, this is dumb. I've read the review. You know, like you're, you're already there, right? You know what I'm talking about? Really, this is kind of what Revelation 7, 9 is talking about. So that's the very end of the Bible. It's the last book of the Bible. We know the beginning, right? That's Adam and Eve. It's literally in the book of Genesis, which means the beginning. And so what this is, is a snapshot of the end of the movie. And so let me read it for us, and we'll kind of pick it apart a little bit. So it says, Revelation 7, 9, uh, chapter 9, or verse 9 says this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. 
I love this verse for a couple reasons. The first reason I love this verse, man, as a Christian, this is like an anchor text for us. Like right now, we're kind of in the middle of the movie. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to convince you that sometimes it's hard to see how it's going to turn out, like how Jesus is going to be victorious. And we got brokenness in the world. We have death in the world. We got ugliness. There's dysfunction. There's sin, right? You track with me? But this is our confidence. God's word never returns void. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation will proclaim that Jesus is Lord at the end of the age. Boom. You can bank on it. That's, that's a promise. That's going to happen, period. And so as Christians, man, we know the end of the movie, right? We're, we're kind of betting with house money, so to speak. Like we know what's going to happen. We can take this with confidence, okay? The second thing I love about this verse or these couple of verses is how descriptive it is. Uh, man, for me, like growing up in church, I think a lot of times I thought about heaven as a bunch of people that look like me and talk like me. It was kind of boring, <laughs> like if I'm being honest. But man, that's not what this describes. Heaven is talking about, man, every tribe, every tongue, every nation will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's amazing. You ever thought about heaven like this? When you get to heaven, if you know Christ, there'll be more people there that don't look like you than do look like you. You ever thought about that? That's crazy. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Man, that's going to be a party, man. That's going to be fun. All kind of food there. Anyway, so I love that for those two reasons. And and I kind of want to help us. How do we get there, right? So we know the beginning. We're somewhere in the middle. And there's there's a lot of lostness, y'all. So how does someone get to the end? How does someone get to Revelation 7, 9? How do they get to the kingdom or this party, this celebration? Well, the Bible's super, super clear on this. It gives us the answer. It says there's only one way which men must be saved, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's the only way. The Bible also talks about, man, how can people hear unless someone speaks the gospel? How can people leave unless they hear it? And so the gospel I think a lot of us are familiar, but maybe some of us aren't. Just in review, this is what the gospel is. This is what you'd have to believe to be a part of Revelation 7-9 at the end of the age. The truth is this, man. You, I, our dads, our moms, everybody we know, we're all sinners. None of us can meet God's glorious standard. God is perfect. God is holy. God is good. We're none of those things. It doesn't matter how many good things we do. We're never going to measure up. Okay, and the Bible also says that that the wage, the penalty of sin, it's death, separation from God for eternity. But it also says this: but God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son Jesus to live a perfect life, right? And then that Son was murdered for our sins. He was crucified on a cross. Then He was buried in a tomb, and three days later He rose again, defeating death and conquering sin. And so the gospel is this, whoever believes in that, that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin that you did yesterday or whenever. He sees the blood of Jesus. This is the gospel, right? What you just heard, the gospel, almost 41% of the world's population has no access to what you just heard. Think about that. 41% of the world's population can't hear the gospel in their own language like you just heard it. It's not available to them. There's not an opportunity for that. It's not that they've heard it and said, hey, thank you very much. Uh, You do your thing. I do mine. I'm going to choose Hinduism or whatever the thing is. They've never had an opportunity to even reject it. Think about that. 
It's not that they came to Paradigm and said, hey, this ain't my thing. I'm, I'm going to go down the road and do something else. 41% of the world's population has never or doesn't have access to the gospel. It's crazy. So just to kind of put this in perspective, I need a visual. We have a map up here. Uh, what's awesome, I didn't know Allie was going to talk about this in uh, the announcements. So this, she talked about the 1040 window. That's literally what this is. So nothing fancy about the 1040 window. That's just latitude, longitude. Um, and, and what it's representing, almost all of the 41% of the world's population that doesn't have access to the gospel, they're found in that 1040 window. Okay, for some of us, we've heard this. A lot of us, maybe it's new. Um, and then if you look at the map, there's tons of dots, like just all kind of dots, crazy dots. I don't know if you can read kind of the, the scale or whatever there, but basically the red dots symbol, or all the dots, excuse me, symbolize a people group. A people group would be just people that are classified with the same culture and same language. So like we would all be like, you know, Kansas Cityans or Kansas City, you know, whatever. I don't know what we're called, but you get the idea. And so each dot on the map represents a people group. And then there's different colors that represent how reached they are. The most unreached would be a part of this 41% and they would be represented in red. So the red dots are people groups that are unreached for the gospel. They don't have the gospel in their uh, language and it also means that they're unengaged. So what that means is no one's working to change that reality. Think about that. So it's not this like, yeah, yeah I mean, we're trying to reach the X people. No one's working on this is what that means if they're in red. What, what jumps out to you guys as you see this map? Like what's kind of overwhelming to you? Yeah, yeah, somebody said the country of India. It's, you can hardly see the country because it's so red. Like, especially at top there, like it just looks like a sea of red. You can't even distinguish the dots. What's crazy about the 1040 window, almost every world religion except for Christianity, this is kind of their hub. So you have Hinduism, you have Islam, you have Buddhism, all kinds of religions here. And India, or you could even say, so there's a couple countries above India that are really covered in red. So let's just call it South Asia, like that whole section. It's referred to by many people as God's bleeding heart. God's bleeding heart because there's so much lostness there. That's overwhelming. Just, okay, so we have the visual. Let me give you some numbers really quick just to like kind of help you process this a little bit more. So just in South Asia, just the, the sea of red that we saw up there, we can leave that up there for a second. Just in that sea of red part, the most condensed part, we'll call that South Asia, there are 232,000 people there that die every week. Think about that. 232 people die in South Asia every week that are completely unreached for the gospel. Let me say that one more time. There are 232,000 people that die in South Asia every week that are completely unreached for the gospel. That's a lot of people, man. And so that's why we can't just end the series. We can't just end the series and say, hey, some of us are called here, some of us are called there. Ready, break. Man, some of us are called to the ends of the earth. And I'm betting there's somebody other than me in this room that's called to the ends of the earth. And so, man, 
Here's what I want to do in our next few minutes. Uh, Walk you through. Again, it doesn't matter. Like God's going to be with you. You're called to be a witness wherever you go. And and that's going to be a good thing. There are lost people everywhere. And so we need laborers in the field. But I want to give you three things that God's called us to risk wherever you are. Faith is always a risk. It's the hope and belief in things unseen. We believe in a kingdom that we can't see yet. It's not an earthly kingdom. It's an eternal one. But it's worth the risk. And so I want to give you three things to risk. The first thing I want you to risk is your relationships. Your relationships. I'm not talking about how popular you are. Some of y'all got nervous. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your relationships. The kingdom of God moves through relationships. Moves through relationships, man. Um, Let me illustrate it like this. Raise your hand. Some of you guys are still processing your your relationship with the Lord, so don't feel pressure to to answer this. But, man, go ahead and raise your hand. If you gave your life to Christ in something like this, it was like this epic worship service. It was like a concert. It was super disengaged from, like, a relationship you have with anybody. It was just, like, kind of you and this epic event, uh, and it's just somehow the Spirit moved and you gave your life to Christ. Raise your hand if that was you. Yeah. Some of us, God, hey, God uses stuff like that. I love that. Okay, let me ask you this. Raise your hand if you gave your life to Christ because there was someone that you trusted that built a relationship with you, that helped you process the gospel, right? Answered questions for you. And when you were ready and you prayed to receive Christ, raise your hand if that's your, your testimony story. Man, look around the room. That's most of us. This is illustrating my point. The kingdom of God, it moves through relationships. People are gonna trust a Christian before they trust Jesus with their salvation. Does that make sense? And so I want you to think about that. I'm calling you to risk your relationship. The kingdom of God moves through relationships. And I'm not just like, this isn't just an idea I came up with, man. If you read the gospels, you can't get like a page into it without seeing Jesus do this. He hung out with sinners, tax collectors, and so much so that people like gave him a hard time about this, right? One of my favorite verses that really illustrates this is John 1, 38. Uh, there's a group of people that ask Jesus as he's, you know, bebopping around town. They say, teacher, where are you staying? Like, where do you live? What neighborhood are you from, you know? And I love Jesus's response. Like, I think of when people ask me that, I'm like, well, I live off, you know, I give them the address or if I don't really know him, I definitely don't give them the address. You know, I think, uh, you know, I live over in this part of town or maybe we should hang out, you know, at at the synagogue or whatever. But Jesus says this, come and see. I love that. Immediately he invites them over for dinner or whatever they're doing. He says, hey, where are you staying, teacher? Where do you live? Why don't you come and see? Follow me home. (laughs) I love that. He immediately invites people into relationship. The kingdom of God moves through relationships. So if that's true, if we can kind of get behind that point, the kingdom of God moves through relationships, it, it forces me to ask myself this question and maybe you too. How many do I have? How many do I have? Again, I'm not talking about being popular. (laughs) People are like, I don't have any. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm talking about how many relationships do you have with people who don't know Christ? Are you risking who you're hanging out with? Not like risky as in sketchy situations. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that don't know Christ that you befriended so that in hopes that they can know Christ one day, Right? because you're gonna build a relationship, you're gonna share the gospel with them. Have you risked your relationships? One one way to think about this 
is like, let's say Jesus came on the stage. I would immediately take the mic off and step away and just let him rip. Um, but what if he, he said something like this, like, hey, Paradigm, I'll make you a deal. Tonight, I will save every lost person that you can give me their name, that you can list by name. I'll save them tonight. How many people would get saved? You think about that? I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone. I, I, this is convicting for me as well. Like I think about that and I'm like, I mean, I could probably list a couple. Don't ask me to spell them. I don't know if I could do all that. But man, I think I would be embarrassed at how quickly that list would end. I think I would be. So the kingdom of God moves through relationships. Uh, so one, I want you to risk the relationships of like, who, are, who do you not have friends with? Go make friends with people who are lost. This is the, Jesus is famous for saying this. It's the sick who need the doctor. Man, go out there. If all your friends look like you, think like you, smell like you, or whatever that means, they, you're probably not doing what Jesus modeled here. But I'm also calling you to risk the relationships you already have. You already have. Let me, let me illustrate it like this. So one of the heroes, I've already mentioned them tonight. One of the heroes, the hero of my life is my dad. Man, I've never met somebody that's so about the, the Lord's business. Man, we grew up going on adventures for sure. He gave me a love for adventure, but really what he gave me is a love for God's word and a love to be working where God's working, to, to bring as many people into the kingdom as possible. Uh, last year, we got to spend his birthday hiking half home together. I think we have a picture of this. How epic is that? Isn't that cool? Look at that dirty mustache. Anyway. Yeah, so man, my dad is my hero. We got to spend his 65th birthday last year on the top of Half Dome. Man, we hiked it, and man, he gave me just like, I mean, just handed down wisdom. He's just always spitting scripture and wisdom, and it was just so cool. It was such a moment. And uh, I think about it all the time, man. And so his birthday was March 5th. So we just had his birthday, and before it happened, I'm thinking, man, I kind of want to hit repeat on something like that. Like, I'm trying to hang out with dad because if I'm honest, I, I'm moving to another country. I, I don't know when the next time I'll get to spend my dad's birthday with him. Like, I, I don't know. We're not promised tomorrow. So he'll be 66. And I could feel myself like, man, I kind of want to, I want to protect that time. I kind of started panicking. I was like, I want to protect that time. And maybe, maybe we're not going to go climb a mountain, but we can go on a walk and, and we can spend time together. And I can hear from him and ask him questions. You know, I'm about to jump off to the great unknown, it seems like. And, uh, you know, I just, I just want to kind of protect that time, kind of be selfish with that time. You, you feel what I'm saying here? And uh, about the time I started thinking that, I was reminded of some new friends that I've made. Um, if you've been hanging out with us for a little bit here at Paradigm, you've probably heard the announcements. We've been announcing about a new ministry we have at UMKC. So that's our local college. Rue up. Any Rue's in here? All right. Is it? Okay. I like it. Yeah, Rue up. You bet. <laughs> anyway, what's cool, man, so we're talking about the 1040 window. Get this statistic. Eight out of every 10 international students that come to America come from the 1040 window. Whoa. So even if God's called you here, even if he's called you there, the ends of the earth, man, God's bringing them to us. Maybe you never are a missionary, 
But it doesn't matter. God's called the nations here. You can reach your neighbors and the nations at the same time. And so that's really the heart behind this whole initiative that we've started at UMKC. We believe that the kingdom of God is moving through relationships. And so the average international student that comes to UMKC, most of them have never heard the gospel. And almost all of them don't have one American friend. Think about that. The average international student never steps foot inside of an American's home. So if the kingdom of God moves through relationships, we're not doing a great job, if we're being honest. And so that's the whole reason why we started this ministry, to try to like help build the kingdom through relationships. And so through that, man, we do all sorts of fun things. If you want to learn more about that, man, come find me after service. Well, I can give you more friends this weekend than you can follow up with. So just let me know if you need more friends. But I've got to meet a couple friends that, man, we just were really, got really close really quickly uh, through, through time and shared experiences. And so as I began to think about spending time with my dad, I thought, man, that would be a game changer to get to bring a couple students that are Hindu, that probably have never heard the gospel and certainly have never celebrated a 66-year-old birthday in Texas, God's country. Anyway. <laughs> and uh, so I said, well, hey, it's not my weekend. It's not my birthday. I got I to gotta kind of process that and talk to dad, talk to the fam. So we got kind of on like a group, group chat or a group call with the whole fam, and I just kind of laid it all out. I'm like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Um, but just, just so you know the full story, I mean, they, they'd have to stay at the house, and uh, they eat different things than we do, and so we kind of have to change what we're eating that weekend. And so just, you know, I, I, I'm willing to do whatever. I haven't invited them yet, but w- what do y'all think? And, man, it was so cool. Like, my family was kind of, this was their sentiment. Hey, we know that we'll see each other again. Our, our eternity is secured with Jesus Christ, Revelation 7, 9. And so even if this is our last birthday together, like we'll see, we'll see each other again in heaven for eternity. <laughs> we'll never miss another birthday up there. But this could be the very thing that ushers these guys into the kingdom of heaven, Revelation 7, 9. And so my dad said this, by all means, by all means, bring them. And uh, so that we may celebrate and bring as many people as we can into the kingdom with us. And I was just like, I love you. And uh, so, so I brought these guys. We brought them. We road tripped eight hours, which is just like a little pro tip. If you're trying to get to know somebody, spend eight hours with them in a vehicle. And that's a lot of windshield time. You get, whew, there's a lot of time together. And so we even stopped on our way down uh, at like this drive through safari. You ever been on one of those? And one of my guys got attacked by an ostrich. Like, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> it was wild. He's safe. He's fine. He's fine. But, man, these guys, this is like the ride of their life. Like, they are fired up. And, uh, man, because culturally, uh, they just have a lot of respect for elders. And so I know, like, dad is just, like, just ready. Like, as soon as they get in the door, he's, like, trying to be their best friends and kind of just praying through, okay, Lord, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I want to I be ready to share the gospel. And so... Man, these guys hear the gospel like three different times <laughs> this weekend. And dad's just ribbing it and they're like loving every minute of it. And so it was such an amazing opportunity. But if y'all, it felt like a risk. It did because I'm having to share one of the most precious relationships to me. I'm having to invite people into my family's house. I'm having to inconvenience them a little bit. I'm having to do all these different things. Like if they didn't come, I probably would have flown you know, instead of driving for 20 hours, how long it was. But worth it. 
Like so worth it, so worth it. So the kingdom of God, it moves through relationships. And, and I want to just unpack this. I'm, I know I'm taking a lot of time on this point, but um, if we're honest, this 1040 window that we're talking about, I'm just, I'm gonna be as honest as I can, y'all. This is true. It breaks our hearts. If you really think about it, it breaks your heart. Looking at countries like India, all the red, it breaks our hearts, but it doesn't move us to action. Maybe that's just me. It breaks your heart, but it doesn't move you to action. It's too far removed from your life. It, it is. It's like you don't live in the 1040 window. You know, uh, you, we're more concerned with like, I got to get gas tomorrow or I got to prep for a test or I, the dogs run out of food. I mean, <laughs> it sounds stupid to say we care more about those things, but our actions would, would say that we do. Um, the 1040 window, it breaks our heart, but it doesn't move us to action. This is not a new concept. So this is going to be controversial. Uh, I want to quote one of the most vicious dictators in the world's history, Joseph Stalin. You don't hear that a lot in, in the church, but this is his quote. <clears throat> he says, millions of people dying is simply a statistic. However, one person dying that you know and love is a tragedy. We've seen that to be true, right? And so here's the whole point, right? <clears throat> For most of my life, I have known about this in 40 window. I grew up in church. Um, that was super mission-minded, and, but it, it just never moved me to action. It broke my heart. I'm like, oh, that's awful. Let me go back to doing what I'm doing. I mean, that was kind of my, my worldview until I put myself in a position. I risked some relationships. So now, like when I think about the 1040 window, when I think about places like India, I think about these guys, Ashrath and Shiva that spent the weekend with my family, that cooked us dinner, that we played games, and they beat us all in, you know, Yahtzee or whatever. I can't remember what a game we played. Like, think about these guys that are funny, that love to laugh and love to teach us about their culture, and they were so respectful. I think about these guys. I have a, I have a picture of my buddy Ashrith here. If we've got that on the screen, <laughs> look at this guy. So I, I said, hey, man, if we go to Texas, I'll make you a cowboy. That's my promise to you. And so this is one of my cowboy hats. This is in our backyard. That's a good-looking cowboy, man. I'm just saying. And so, so now, like when I think about this um, 1040 window, I think about guys like this, man. It's, it's shifted the needle for me. It's not just a statistic. It's somebody that I love. The reality is this. He doesn't know the gospel. And so if nothing changes, we won't get to spend eternity together. So it's moved my heart. It's changed the way I pray. It's changed who I spend my time with. It's changed who I bring around my family. It's changed what I do on the weekends. I'm risking my relationships. So point, the first thing God's called you to risk is your relationships. The second thing that God's called us to risk is our investments. Our investments. I'm talking cash money here. <laughs> investments. Uh, so I'm going to turn with me to Matthew 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 44 and 46. I think we've got a couple of slides on that, but let me just read it to you really quick. So this is two parables. Uh, what that means is like a short story. So if you ever want to memorize a story in the Bible, do this. It's like one verse. <laughs> but anyway, it starts like this. 
The kingdom of heaven is like treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. And verse 44, it says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who's on the lookout for a choice pearl. I don't know what a choice pearl looks like, but (laughs) when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Man, if you look at both of these stories, both of these um, verses, there's a common theme there. It says, he sold everything he owned. So point number three, sell everything you own. Just kidding. <laughs> but the, the principle here, man, I love what it says here, that, especially in that first one. Um, it says, in his excitement, he hit it again and then sold everything he owned. This brother was fired up. So he found enough treasure in this field. And he said, hey, this is, this is worth more than anything I own. Let me sell everything I own. Let me go all in here so that I can buy this field that has this treasure. You see what I'm saying? He knew the end of the movie. You get where I'm going here? He, he, he was playing with house money. He knew that this is worth more than anything I have. And it's worth leveraging everything I have so that I can gain this. Okay? Man, so... I'm not telling you to sell, you, sell everything you own, unless God tells you to do that. You know, that's up to you. But here, here's the principle. There should be things in your life that you don't own, that you're not spending money on, because you're trying to build the kingdom of God. That's the principle. I want you to risk your investments, risk your finances. And here's the reality. A lot of you are like, bro, I'm broke. <laughs> so I get you. Here, here's my point, man. As young adults... We have more disposable income than like any other season of life. And I'm not to say we don't have bills, we don't have stuff going on, but like just for me, maybe I'm alone here. Like I don't make a ton of money, but I can spend it on whatever I want. Like I can. Great decisions, bad decisions, okay decisions. Whatever I want to do, I can invest my money in whatever I want. But here's, here's what I'm telling you, man. In an age of like we talk about investments and, you know, Bitcoin, all this stuff and all, insider trading, all these things. Man, the most strategic investment financially that you'll ever make is for the kingdom, where moth and rust do not destroy. You ever thought about your finances like that? Like, where are you investing into the kingdom? Hey, for me, again, I grew up hearing this stuff my whole life, like my whole life. And it never, like I could, I could tell you about it, I get you fired up about it, but it never really hit home until I put my wallet in the game. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I can be all about the kingdom of God, but like, I'm not going to sponsor it. You know, like, that's not my thing. I would just hang out with people, you know? And so it's been a progression for me to, to tithe. So if you're tithing to a church like Abundant Life, man, you're already giving to the nations. It's something that we say here at Abundant Life is the sun never sets on the work that we're getting to be a part of at Abundant Life because we, we globetrotting, baby. We got workers all over the globe and we're trying to support them. Like we're trying to financially help them do what they need to do to make disciples of all the nations, right? Um, but for some of us, like, God's called us to, to do even more than that. A lot of us know people that are serving missionaries over, or are serving as missionaries overseas. If you've been a part of uh, Paradigm for a minute, man, we'd be sending people out of here like it's going out of style. Like, I think everyone's going to be a missionary. That's my prayer. That's what the goal of this message is. But the point is, man, that costs money. And, but what an investment to know, like, hey, here's a couple going to spend their life for the kingdom. Let me get behind them financially. I want to do that. So risk your investments. Risk your investments. 
Um, personally, I'm not asking for money. I don't need it. So I'm a product of something called the International Mission Board, the IMB. And uh, they, what they've done is because of churches like Abundant Life, man, they're fully funded. And so instead of me having to raise support, they're actually paying me to become a missionary. Now, I'm not getting rich, so don't get it twisted, but uh, they've removed that burden of me having to go and raise support. So it's a tremendous blessing because people have invested in the kingdom of God. So riskier uh, relationships, riskier investments. Um, And then thirdly, risk your schedule. Risk your schedule. So uh, we referenced this verse a minute ago. I think we got a slide for this. Luke 10, 2. It says this, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. Man, after that trip to India and the most clear picture I've ever seen of the harvest being plentiful, but the workers were few, it felt like fruit was just falling on the ground. Like, we don't, need, we don't need geniuses. We need people with buckets. Just come pick up the fruit because what happens to fruit when it falls on the ground? It spoils. There's a window for the harvest. It's not forever, right? And so when I see things like that, when I read this verse, I'm like, let's go. I'm gonna put my boots on. Let's go harvest, baby. You know, like, that's what I think. Um, and so it's so weird to me. Like the, but that's not what this verse says. It says, hey, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So Pray. So pray. Here's the point. Prayer is God's first line of offense. You want to get in the game? You care about the nations? I would argue if you're not praying for the harvest, you don't really care. Because this is what God commands us to do. This is the first line of of offense. So the reason risking your schedule is the point. Man, you're going to have to risk your schedule with probably all of these things. But schedule, because for me, when I think of schedule, when I think of a, like a to-do list or whatever, I think of control. That's why I love, this may surprise you, I, I kind of like a schedule. I like a schedule because it helps me be able to say, I'm not doing that. I am doing this. I'm going to do that. I may not do this. I'm in control. It's like up to me, right? Like one of the, one of the things I do every morning is a to-do list. Anybody out there? With a little circle and you can put the, you can click it when you're done. I love that stuff, man. <laughs> Make me feel like a doer, you know? I'm busy. Ain't nobody more busy than me, right? You know what I'm saying? Here's the, here's the thing. It's not by our power. It's not by our works that God accomplishes Revelation 7, 9. It's through his power. It's through his work. And so prayer is the greatest way for us to surrender control and value God's work more than our own. And so it's going to cost you your schedule, Right? It's going to cost you control. But literally, just to drive this point home, uh, it is going to cost you your schedule. So uh, as you came in tonight, hopefully you got uh, an envelope, right? And I think we ran out, so we can get you more, right? So don't worry. But if you have that envelope, uh, why don't you go ahead and open that up? Open that up for us really quick. And then everybody, whether you have an envelope or not, I want you to get out your phone. So get your cell phone out, okay? Okay. And here's what I want you to do. <clears throat> I want you to set an alarm for 10.02 every day this week. It can be a.m. or p.m. That's up to you. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray, Luke 10.2, that God would send more laborers into the harvest. And as you look in these envelopes, every envelope has one of those dots 
on the 1040 window, one of those red dots of a people group that's unreached and unengaged. They don't know the gospel. So I want you to pray. I want you to pray for that people group every day this week, just one week. Because here's the reality. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody, but nobody else in this room has the same people group that you do. And so if you don't pray for that group, they're not gonna get prayed for by anybody else in this room. It's not an accident that you got that group. And so I want you to risk your schedule literally and be praying. The second way I want us to risk our schedule is some of us need to go. Man, the role, I love what they said about Live Scent, the role of Live Scent, the role of a short-term missions trip is to change the heart of the goer, right? And so some of us need to go. Some of us need to sign up for Live Scent. Some of us need to go on a short-term trip. Some of you guys, man, here's the reality. You have the information. God's broken your heart. Now you need to move your feet. That's, that's the next, that's what obedience looks like for you. It's just up to you whether you wanna obey or not whether you want to choose that or not. So some of you need to go. For me, my journey, it's been, it's been a progression. You know, I, it took me a while to kind of figure out where God was leading me. So that's okay. But it, it was through trips and it was through doing things like this here, there. And that led me to the ends of the earth. A plane ride won't change your life. It won't change what the work is. <laughs> you got to live by faith here. You got to risk things here. The same would be true if you lived in Timbuktu as a missionary. Okay, and so, man, for me, I, I'm literally moving my life to South Asia to join a team and help lead a team. And guess what it's called? The Ends of the Earth Team. Our goal, there's over 400 different people groups just in the southern tip of South Asia that have no access to the gospel. Nobody's working to change it. And so my team, man, that's, we got our bullseye on that. And it is an overwhelming task. It's a terrifying task, but we know the end of the movie. <laughs> We're risking all that is for all that will be. So in summary, we've talked about risking relationships. We've talked about risking your investments and we've talked about risking your schedule. Lastly, just to bring us all into focus, man, we're doing this for the kingdom and the king. We're not just risking things out here to almost die every day and just be idiots, right? Some of you look at me and you think, man, maybe you are. But the, the point is what I'm saying here, guys. <clears throat> we know the end of the movie. The reason I can, my family and I decided to risk that time together, and it's a sweet time, man. Y'all be close. Like that, I felt that cost, right? It's because we know the end of the movie. We know there will be Revelation 7, 9 risking all that is for all that will be. So have you done this? Will you do this? No matter if you're called here, if you're called there, or if you're called to the ends of the earth, will you risk these things and do it all for the kingdom and the king? This is our only opportunity to risk. Think about that. There'll be no risk in heaven, no room for it. <laughs> this is our only opportunity for faith. There'll be no faith in heaven. We'll see it, we'll be with Jesus. And so, man, I'll be honest. I hope, I hope that this message blessed you. It was hard to kind of prepare and give to it because I know I can't do justice to what we're trying to convey here. This principle that this world is passing away. This life is not all there is, and it's not even the best that there is. 
So risk it all. It's worth it. Go all in like that guy who bought the field. And we've got treasure in heaven. Revelation 7, 9, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And I want to live my life, do everything I can to bring as many people with me as I can. And that's what I'm calling you to do. I don't care if you're here, there, or anywhere, ends of the earth. But this is where God's called me. I can say that with confidence. But it's not without fear. It's not without risk. It's not without pain. I had to choose it. And so I don't know where God's calling you, but he's calling you somewhere. So risk it. Go all in for the kingdom of God. Risk your relationships. Risk your investments. Risk your schedule. And remember, we're doing it all for the kingdom. Love you guys. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be done. Father, thank you so much just for a place to come and meet you. There's so many places in the world where we can't do this. So thank you. We're blessed. We've been given much, but too much is given. Much is required. So God, help us lay it all down. Help us lay it at your feet. Location is not as important as our actions and our heart. So God, we give it all to you. God, I pray for everybody in this room that's wrestling. Where do you want me, God? Um, Man, I just pray that you would give them, man, a desire for the work, a desire to build your kingdom wherever they are. Do all that you can for God wherever they are. God, I pray that you would use the words that uh, I spoke tonight, that you would remove all those that don't come from you. Um, And you would direct us, God. You say that you'll go with us wherever we are, even to the ends of the earth. So, Father, we love you. We pray, Luke 10:2, would you send more laborers into the harvest field that we can all rejoice for Revelation 7, 9 at the end of the age where every tribe, every tongue, every nation will proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.